Welcome to True Crime Oracles, where a witch and fortune teller embraces her obsession with divination and finding out secrets. Hi, I am Isabel from the Netherlands. Let me show you how I throw cards at true crime cases and other mysteries. If you love a deep plunge into bone-chilling stories, please join me. Before we start, this podcast discusses adult and distressing subject matter with possible use of strong language, possible triggers for psychological abuse. Listener discretion is advised. Please remember that I am offering my own very subjective impressions for entertainment purposes only. In no way are these intended, nor can they be construed as legal evidence. No person is guilty until tried and convicted in a court of law. Today I am telling you the story of the murder of Amy Mullis, also known as the Cornrake murder. Sources used Bailey Sarian's Murder Mystery and Makeup Monday The Cornrake Mystery A Farmer Attacks or Wrongly Accused This is uh, Bailey Sarian's channel on YouTube and this is where I f first came across this story. Guys, you all should pay worship to Bailey who is an absolute queen. And yeah, she she is a very smart cookie and a great storyteller also and her makeup is, well, beyond this world. Anyway, this is where I saw this story first when it came out in early 2021. Other sources used are Amy's obituary from the Funeral Home website, a Daily Mail online article, an article from CBS News called Evidence in the Amy Mullis Cornrake Murder Case, the CBS News article about the 48 hours item about the case, a blog called Midwest Crime Files blog, the Cornrake Killer, the murder of Amy Mullis, an article from Radio Iowa about how the appeal was denied, and a video from Court TV. So, to tell you a little bit about Amy, I will read a part of her obituary. Amy Lynn Mullis, 39, of Earlville, Iowa, passed away on Saturday, November 10, 2018, at the Regional Medical Center in Manchester. She was born on January 23, 1979, in Ames, the daughter of Robert and Peggy Fuller. Amy was raised in the Eldora area and graduated from Eldora New Providence High School in 1997. She then graduated as a registered nurse from Kirkwood Community College. On September 11, 2004, Amy was united in marriage to Todd Mullis at Our Saviour Lutheran Church in Manchester. Three children were born to this union. Amy worked at St. Luke's Hospital in Cedar Rapids and then in the ER at the Regional Medical Centre in Manchester. After the birth of her children, Amy chose to be a stay-at-home mom and partner in their farming operation. Amy was a member of the Delaware County Pork Producers Board. She loved farming, hunting, fishing and camping. Amy also enjoyed gardening and was an avid Iowa Hawkeyes fan. She liked designing and making t-shirts. She was always there for her family and friends. Above all else, Amy's children were the most important part of her life. Survivors include her husband, Todd Mullis of Earlville, her three children all at home, Tristan, Taylor and Wyatt. End quote. So, what happened at the Mullis farm on November 10th, 2018? Well, Todd and Amy had a big, big farming operation in Earlville, which is a very small town in Iowa. And there were two big hog barns, as they are called, of about 100 meters long each, with the farmhouse at the front and also a smaller barn called the Red Barn, closer to the house and some other outbuildings as well. So, one or two weeks prior, Amy had had a minor surgery, an outpatient surgery, nothing serious really, but she was still recovering from that. And on the day of the murder, she was going back to work at the farm for the first time. So, that morning, Todd and Tristan are going to clean the big hog barn. Amy is still at the house, exchanging some emails with her lover before joining them. 
and we will meet this lover later on, but I wanted to mention him here, just, you know, to give you the full picture of how her morning went. Like I said, Amy has had minor surgery and she therefore is relegated to some lighter cleaning. She is doing the light fixtures, standing on top of a big vat. However, Tristan and Todd notice that she is dizzy and so they say to her, well, why don't you just, you know, get a rest, have a lie down. And Todd asks her to, while she goes up to the house, to go to the red barn and get out the pet carrier because he needs to round up the kittens that are playing in the big barn because, you know, he doesn't want to run them over when he is going to move some heavy equipment. And so he asks her to, you know, get out the pet carrier and just leave it somewhere for him to find. An hour and a half later, Todd and Tristan, they go to the house and they don't see the pet carrier where it should be. So Todd thinks that this is odd and he tells Tristan to go to check the red barn while he goes to the house to look for Amy. Tristan, unfortunately, finds his mother Amy lying face down with a corn rake embedded in her upper back. A corn rake, well, that is basically a big rake and kind of a cross actually between a rake and a pitchfork because it has four very long tines or teeth that are bent back in a slightly sharper angle than than 90 degrees. I have pictures of it on my Instagram also if you if you really want to see it. So that thing is sticking out of her back and uh, Tristan he screams for his dad who comes running and Todd tells Tristan to get the truck and he himself pulls the corn rake out of Amy. He loads the three of them into the truck and drives towards town. On the way, he calls 911. He performs CPR by the roadside. Help services meet them halfway, but unfortunately, Amy is pronounced dead on arrival at the hospital. And so, those are the bare facts of what at first sight looked like a freak accident. Farming accidents are very common. And they often can be quite bizarre. So, why was this considered a murder? Well, first of all, like I described the corn rake, as you can imagine, it is really hard to fall backwards on top of it and get impaled on it, you know, because of the angle of the tines. And then flip over on your belly with the rake still inside of you, that is, that is really difficult. Especially if you have to do it at least twice. Because the rake has four tines, like I said, but Amy was found to have six puncture wounds in two different directions. Amy also had injuries to her chin, her cheekbone, knees and knuckles of each hand. And there's also the fact that Todd didn't call 911 straight away, but decided to drive her to hospital. And he said that he acted on impulse and wasn't really thinking. However... The police finds this suspicious and, you know, especially the, <laughs> these two things together and they decide to question Todd and investigate into the situation at the farm and the relationship between Amy and her husband. And what do they find? Well, you had better settle down with a cup of tea <laughs> because I'm about to spill some. Let's go back to 2013. Amy is getting bored in her marriage and she has an affair. When Todd finds out about this, she quits her job and actually he forces her basically to, to quit her job and she becomes a stay-at-home mom and she works on the farm from then on. According to Amy's friends, she is being very much controlled by Todd and there is an approved list of friends of people that she is allowed to hang out with and they even have a nickname for her called Prisoner of Todd. Amy says to multiple people that she feels like a hostage or a slave at the farm. So in around May or June 2018 Amy gets involved with the farm manager. Apparently she is bored in her marriage yet again. The farm manager is called Jerry Fraser. He is also married and they have sex assignments around the countryside. Jerry works at literally dozens of farms, so he has every chance to get around. 
According to Jerry, initially they talked about getting together officially, but mostly they didn't talk about their relationship much. Jerry says that her feelings may have been stronger than his own. So, in July, Todd is reviewing the phone bills and he finds a suspicious amount of text messages between Amy and Jerry, like 15 to 40 a day. He calls Jerry for an explanation, quite calmly according to Jerry. Jerry tells Todd that the texts are about farm stuff, the sale of hogs, things about the kids' sports, etc. Todd then goes so far as to call Jerry's wife. She tells him it's nothing and thinks he's a bit crazy. To which I think, really? But whatever. So then Todd calls both Jerry and Jerry's wife to apologize and says that he could have handled things better and that he was going to too far etc etc all good interaction between Todd and Jerry remains normal nonetheless Jerry tells Amy they need to cool things down but they keep seeing each other and messaging only now they use email from their phones instead of text Todd is increasingly controlling and even tells Jerry he has to know where Amy is at all times Todd tells another friend he will never accept a divorce because it could mean losing the farm, which is worth in the millions. Amy tells her friends she wants to leave Todd with or without Jerry, but she is very afraid of him. And she tells them to look in the new timber property if she ever disappears. Even Tristan tells his mum he's afraid his dad will hurt her if she divorces him. In September and October, Amy has some sick relatives to attend to, and some deaths in the family as well. So she is away a lot, and there is some tension about that too. Meanwhile, the rumor mill around town is getting wind of the affair between Amy and Jerry. Amy is pretty worried about it and tells her friends she may need to talk about it and nip it in the bud before someone else tells him. A few days before her death, Amy tells her friend that all continues as usual, and she is recovering from her outpatient surgery, but that things are still very tense around the farm. So, understandably, that suddenly gives Todd a strong motive to harm his wife. Or multiple motives, actually, since he is also concerned about the farm. Moreover, police find some very odd Google searches on his iPad. I'm quoting the court proceedings. This is what Todd was searching or someone <laughs> was searching on the iPad. Did ancient cultures kill adulterers? Thrill of the kill. Thrill of the hunt. Famous quote, no thrill like that of hunting men. Once you hunt man, you will always feel thirst. What happens to cheaters in history? Killing unfaithful women. What to do with large open chest wounds? And organs in the body. End quote. Todd says he has no idea about these searches and the whole family uses the iPad. To be fair, there are also searches for bridal dresses, which have to be Amy's. Which is quite poignant, actually. Other points against Todd. A security camera around the red barn shows no footage for some weeks only to resume next day after the murder. According to Todd, this is because... He only found out the day after the murder when he was going to check for footage that the camera had been out of order and again, again it was the cat's fault. <laughs> Apparently the cats had knocked over the antenna and so that was why there was no footage for some weeks and on the day after the murder he, uh, he fixed it. And the other camera that could have been helpful mysteriously hasn't got any footage either. Plus, as I mentioned, him not calling 911. Moreover, why did he send Tristan into the barn when presumably Amy had gone back into the house? Most damning of all is that Tristan changes his early statement that he and Todd were together in the big barn the whole time. In court on the stand, he admits that he went to get a drink and so lost sight of his dad for a few minutes. So Todd lost his alibi, which was his main salvation. So yeah, by now we have arrived at the court case. And during the court case, the prosecution produced a recording of the 911 call that Todd made by the side of the road. 
while he is ostensibly doing his best to revive Amy, amid the heavy breathing he can be heard saying something that sounds like, Die, you cheating whore. It is very unclear, though, and you can only hear it if you already know what you're supposed to hear. Todd, of course, denies it, and isn't really sure what he actually said, etc. However, it made a big impression in court and in the news outlets. So, points in favor of Todd. Todd denies even the possibility of murder and maintains that it had to be a freak accident. Only in court on the stand he concedes it could have been murder. He never changes his story in the slightest, despite hours of questioning, which I think is a strong point in his favor. It is very rare for a guilty person not to feel caught in a lie. Also, it's not unreasonable that he was completely frantic on finding his wife and his first impulse was to get her to hospital ASAP without thinking. I think that the thing with the camera and the cats rings true as well. I mean, that's typically what cats do. The local police force hasn't had to deal with a homicide in about 10 years, so they didn't have all that much experience with it and they got assistance from provincial police eventually, but still they may have missed clues early on. Something that hasn't been explained is the fact that despite Amy's severe wounds, there is hardly any blood in the red barn, just a drop on the floor, no spatter, nor was there blood on Todd's clothing before he transported Amy. Most important to me is the fact that if Todd did it, he chose such an awkward moment. We are supposed to believe that Todd, as soon as he was alone, sprinted about a hundred meters to the red barn, not even knowing for sure that Amy was still there, kill her with any weapon lying around, make sure she was dead, all without getting a drop of blood on him, then sprint a hundred meters back to where he was, trusting on his luck that Tristan wouldn't see him move around and then go back to what he was doing without being out of breath or any change in his demeanor. Even if that were possible, why would he squeeze murdering his wife into this unlikely moment when he could stage far more convincing quote-unquote accidents any other moment of the week without his kid around? This question was never answered. Unfortunately, Todd's defense team was very weak in their presentation. They came across as hesitant especially compared to the prosecutor, and also made a crucial mistake. They didn't mention the possibility of accident. Todd was very surprised by this in court. He passed them a note saying, what the fuck? He must have been rattled, which probably didn't do his presentation any good. Also, more should have been made of the other person with the motive, both of which issues they should have used to establish reasonable doubt at the very least. So, with most of the evidence pointing to Todd, even if it was all circumstantial, perhaps it was no wonder that the police hardly paid any attention to the other person with a strong motive. Someone who also had a marriage and a farm to protect. Someone who knew his way around the farm, and was in a position to know that the most important camera was offline. The lover, Jerry. The police did question him about the affair and his alibi, According to Jerry, he was at his own farm all morning, which is a 45-minute drive away in a town called Anamosa. He was hanging up tanning beds for the pigs with his son, who was home from college. His wife wasn't at home that weekend. After they were done, they watched college football together. His phone was pinged three times at his home location that morning. I will return to his testimony later. So, we have only the word of Jerry's son, and he could have left his phone at home, switched it off, removed the battery, etc. But for the police, that was that, and they didn't look into any possible sightings of him in the neighborhood or anything like that. In court, the jury considered all of the above, and also the demeanor of Todd on the stand, which they thought was too cold and emotionless. They decided he had opportunity, motive and preparation. And so he was convicted of murder in the first degree and sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. I recently learned that Todd Mullis tried to appeal his case on the grounds that the possibility of an accident hadn't been examined. Early 2022 this appeal was denied, as the court maintained that there was sufficient evidence to convict him. 
This was the story, more or less, as I first heard it from Bailey Sarian. Immediately, it struck me as odd. The evidence used to convict was all circumstantial, basically just the Google searches, and the defense was very weak. I wasn't convinced the right person had been convicted. So just out of curiosity, I threw cards at it in March 2021. This spread, I used the Minkiati deck, which is a somewhat different tarot deck with extra trumps, aka mages. I asked if it was an accident and, if not, who did it. I got lovers, knight of cups. Bam! So no accident and the lover did it. Wow! I didn't really expect it to be so clear cut. So I asked some more. Ace of Wands, the one she was having sex with, slash co-worker. I asked for more information on this and I got Death and the Emperor of the East. The Emperor of the East is a sort of an equivalent to the traditional Pope High Priest card. This Emperor is the Byzantine Emperor, who is the head of the Church also, who represents institutions, status quo, red tape, secretiveness and hypocrisy, who of all of the cards in the deck definitely is holier than thou. To me, it clearly represented his motive. He killed her to protect his marriage, his standing, the status quo. But as it turned out, there is much more to this card and the holy man motif, as we will see. Asking about Tristan, I got cards to indicate that he changed the alibi story because he thought his dad did it. Whereas Todd thought Tristan could have done it, which is probably why he was so adamant that it had to be an accident. The cards also indicated that Jerry will get away with this murder as long as he sits tight, and that the Google searches were actually Amy's, but we will revisit those later. And then I left it there, until I decided to start the True Crime Oracles podcast. I knew that the case of poor Amy Mullers had to be my first story. Last May, I started to look into this story again. I read up on the information and I read more cards. I kept getting very consistent spreads confirming that Jerry was the guy, allegedly. So I was guided to scry his picture. About which? Amy Go. I can't say this guy is very appealing. She just traded one small-eyed pig farmer for another. To return to the pig farmer at hand. I am just going through the transcript with you, including the clarifications I conducted later. I saw this on May 6, 2022. I am seeing him, which is Jerry, with a corn rake. I am seeing dark energies looking like bison or black bulls with big horns. I see someone in camo pants and military boots, a soldier, wearing a mask, holding a gun guarding the entrance to a barn or farm building. There is Jerry also, coming out of this building. I'm seeing Amy, a very pretty woman, long hair like in the picture, wearing overalls or jeans and galoshes. Where is Jerry? How does he truly feel about her? The bitch is dead. Why would he think such a thing? Was he at the farm that day? I am seeing something from the floor angle. Is that her point of view? The barn looks very big and bright. It's very lofty. It's actually a church. A big church window, colored glass, bright yellow, round light. And at the same time it's the barn. Is this because Jerry is being so churchy, like I saw in the cards? Why did he come to the farm while being busy at his own farm? He came to see if there was an opportunity to kill her. He knew the cameras were out of order. He wanted it to look like an accident. He left his phone behind on purpose. Show me his true feelings for Amy. I'm seeing the soldier again. He's a young man with dark hair and a strange hat. Going into the narrow passage. Gun pointed. Who is he? Oh, he is one of my protectors. I'm seeing the barn. I'm seeing bales of straw. Cards indicate stabbing someone in the back out of a sense of justice. I get lovers and the devil. Why did he go to the Mollis farm that day and what happened when he got there? I am walking right behind the soldier who was going into the barn before me. I keep seeing Jerry as if he is getting arrested, screaming and getting his hands tied behind his back. 
I am not sure if this is about the affair being found out or him getting arrested at some point in the future. I really cannot tell. I am glad the soldier is here. Was this premeditated or an accident? As noted above, he did go there looking for a chance to kill her. He grabs the corn rake. She is stunned. She turns to flee and he throws it into her back. This was the first set of wounds. She falls face down. He draws out the rake. He puts his foot on her back to keep her down, which could have caused the abrasions. And then he plants it in her back like a bale of straw in a movement that he has used many times before. He stands there with a very determined look on his face, triumphant, like he's glad that he scored some points, no guilt, only when found out. Wild triumph is what I am hearing. And so now I understand the why of the religious imagery, because he is very Christian, and she is just a whore who has been sent to him to tempt him away from his marriage, etc. She is the snake in paradise. He feels that she deserves to die. This is him triumphing over the devil. That's why I got the devil just now, and justice. Also the lovers and two of cups, the empress. He arrived and saw her, even in her work outfit. She looked so tempting and he felt so attracted. He wanted to punish that. It's a perfect example of projection, punishing that what he desires. Also, the church window in the barn, the divine light shining on him while he stands over her. This is why he is in such a rage when he gets found out, because he feels he did the right thing. He is being a good Christian. Yikes. How he put his foot on her back. No one noticed the footprint because Todd picked her up immediately. Despite everything, he loved her a lot. The soldier is blocking my view. He doesn't want me near his energy anymore. Thank you. Well, guys, that was a lot. And it was very distressing to see. But it did confirm my impression that Jerry allegedly killed Amy allegedly. Cars confirmed that he did come over to see if there was an opportunity to kill her. To kill this demon that seduced him and put his marriage in danger. So, the next thing to do, of course, was to look at Todd. First of all, to see if the above impression is correct. And to understand what was going on with him, where it all went wrong, etc. I did a couple of spreads on Todd beforehand to see what I needed to focus on. They confirmed that he was very disappointed that Amy cheated, that she wanted to divorce him and go off with her lover, and that Todd wanted to work on the marriage, even though his way of doing that wasn't exactly helping. On one of the spreads I have Eight of Swords, which I thought was Todd in jail, but now I think it was actually him keeping Amy imprisoned, while fighting with her a lot, Seven of Staves. The cards also confirmed that Todd loved Amy or at least his life with her and was trying to keep things together by oppressing her. Also, he was actually trying to save her there by the road. And he did think that Tristan could have killed his mother, presumably for trying to leave them. I didn't want to look too much into this kid though. He was 13 at the time. It's enough to know that Todd may have had his own reasons to suspect him. So let's go through the transcript of the scrying. This session was on May 9th. I'm seeing a small boy with blonde hair, shorts, shirt, knee socks, which is taught as a boy. I'm seeing him in black and white in a static image like childhood pictures. He's about seven or eight. He's remembering his childhood. He is laughing, his hair is flying, he's playing around, carefree. Now I'm seeing grown-up Todd looking like his picture. We are going back and forth between his wholesome, rural past. I'm seeing a farm machine in a cornfield. Now I'm seeing him as a teen. It's like seeing him growing up. I'm seeing now a big red barn, like a classic American barn. I'm seeing grown-up Todd in dungarees, a shovel or another tool over his shoulder. He's looking very happy, doing his work. He's wearing a red flannel shirt. He is showing me how his life went all in a straight line. Never a question that he would become a farmer. Probably his family are farmers too. Like this was the only logical thing and he loves it. 
This could be one of the reasons he had trouble understanding Amy, who did want something else. Again Amy with the beautiful hair, wearing something in cobalt blue. Now she's morphing into Princess Diana. She is wearing a striking cobalt blouse, a black pencil skirt, a cocktail glass in her hand, looking over at Prince Charles. A similar situation for Amy, trapped in a marriage with a man who didn't get her. She wanted more and having affairs was her escape. I am now seeing Todd sitting at a table across from someone. Next to a window or a mirror, there are papers on the table. I'm seeing them from above. I'm seeing him head bowed down, hands on the table. He's being interrogated. It feels like torture to him. Now seeing him slumped over in a chair, doubled over unnaturally. Chains on his arms are dragging him down, symbolizing how he feels completely trapped, like he is being tortured. I have the feeling that in prison he feels very sad, but he's also relieved that the ordeal of the interrogation and the whole trial is over. I'm hearing he went through hell, and I'm feeling very emotional at this. He cannot understand how this straight line from the happy boy to the prosperous farmer got completely destroyed. I'm feeling his devastation. And I'm crying. He feels that Amy did not deserve to die, even though he was angry at her. He is devastated. Did this man kill his wife? Did he ever strike her? What did he do when she drifted away? I'm not seeing much, mainly feeling a lot. How did he respond? He was forcing Amy to stay close to him, forcing her out of her job, her social life. To him, this was only logical. To him, this was working on their marriage. But he put all liability with her. He didn't understand her grievances at all, nor did he want to, because it made him feel inadequate and unable to fulfill her needs. Ironically, she only wanted some more freedom, and he took away exactly that. So did he say those horrible things to her? Did he use religious arguments against her? What went on between them? He did vent a lot. He did say awful things, even threatening her. She did fear him. It seems that everything was spiraling out of control, and all he could think of to do is to put her in fear of him. I am not making excuses. This is reprehensible behavior. I'm not judging either, even though it doesn't deserve a beauty prize, and it only made matters worse. But it came from a place of feeling inadequate, which he hated because it made him feel bad about himself. Her rejection made him feel invalidated. He did want to punish her rejection of him and her freedom of spirit. I'm getting a headache at this point. He is a broken man. I'm seeing Tristan. Did he think Tristan did it? They may well have a similar temper. I do not think Todd is a physically abusive person, but he could fly into a temper. It is possible that Jerry saved him from doing something bad to Amy, that he could have been headed there, abuse or even murder. I'm seeing Amy now. I'm seeing her from behind in front of a screen. The Google searches. Now I'm seeing the interrogation room again. Something must have happened there that completely broke him. What did the officer say? He must have been so strong because he never changed his story and never admitted to something he didn't do. Which is interesting because this turns out to be a quote, something he actually said. But it completely broke him. Interesting that the interrogation seems to have been the worst thing for him. Something vital happened there. I'm seeing Amy again, looking a bit like Lady Di. Those two were so unsuited. She wasn't suited to life on the pig farm, but they tried. So far, it seems his personal disillusionment is devastating. Again and again, how his life from his youth to this point was completely broken up. It seems her dying in his arms wasn't even the worst thing to happen to him. I need to go back to the interrogation. Cards indicate that he did feel that Amy's independence threatened the farm and that he is shielding someone, possibly Tristan, and that Tristan also thought she was the one destroying their happiness. 
he listened to his dad a lot. Todd felt ruined and excluded, rejected. I do not get the impression that he killed her. I feel sadness, anger, devastation. Who does Todd think killed Amy? I'm not getting any clarity on this. Could it have been that during the interrogation it was suggested to him that it could have been Tristan to put pressure on him? Is that what was so devastating to him? Three of Swords, King of Swords, Ten of Swords. Did he believe them? Charms. Key, Eye, Fairy, Boy, Princess, Cross, Locked Heart. I'm feeling enormous emotion. Dagger. The Hanged One. The Stabbed Cat. And the Nine of Swords. It does think it could have been Tristan. Does Tristan think his dad did it? The Tower. Yes. Everything is completely fucked up. I'm not getting anything around her dying right, right in front of him. It is too terrible to contemplate. The main thing is that it all failed, even before she died. I hope you're still with me, my friends. It's a whole fucked up mess. But Todd's notion that his son could have done it may well explain his stubbornness in refusing to concede it was murder. On the plus, I did get some confirmation on the visuals, so that was encouraging. The next thing I did was to look into Todd's interrogation some more. Something crucial must have happened there, plus what happened at the side of the road and what he said during the call. I let it rest for a bit and resumed scrying on June 8th. What happened when he was arrested and interrogated until breaking point? Why was he so broken down? It was his worst nightmare, losing the farm, his life ending. Again the sense, I'm getting, that Jerry beat him to it, allegedly, and that Todd might have killed her in the end. Who did it according to Todd? His son, I'm hearing. Does he still think so? I think a glimpse of this boy, or a representation. What could his motive be according to Todd? Did the police officer suggest his possibility? Saying something like, well, if you didn't do it, then who did, Todd? And Todd realizes it could have been Tristan. That's why he was doubling down. I am doubling over too in my chair. I am seeing some native people now, as if drawn, looking at me, very stern. They wear their hair in two braids. Those are the spirits of the land. They are witnessing the bloodshed. Moving to the 911 call. So, what did Todd say on the tape? Did he say, cheating whore? At this point I am throwing some charms, while still in a trance. I'm having the Empress inside out with a pearl, and the street ruffian. It does seem he called her a whore. The heart, with a cross over it. He was trying to revive her, and called her names out of despair. The woman's portrait, yeah, he was calling her names. Was he actually trying to revive her? Crown, yes. He wanted her to survive. I'm seeing the sleeping person, arrow, cupid. Did he want her to survive? Cactus, I, yes, but he was calling her names. This whole situation by the side of the road, I get the charm of the pickup truck with the ghost. They were actually in a pickup and she was already gone by then, giving up the ghost. The Tura plant and the dress, again cheating whore. After the session, I got that he was saying, don't die on me, you cheating whore. So why did he look up things about killing unfaithful spouses? Or who looked that up? I'm seeing Amy with a dagger, with a manufica and the key. Was it Amy looking into this? The angel, why? Out of guilt, I'm getting the heart, the pirate skull, the coffin, the mustache. So it was him. Or was she scared to death of him? It was the latter, as we shall see. After this, I left the story alone again, to resume after I got the podcast started. I did some more research and I also watched Jerry's testimony during the trial, which turned out to be very illuminating, especially with regards to the email exchange between him and Amy on the day of the murder. A lot of what Jerry said on the witness stand I already covered in the information above. So, I will limit myself here to what stood out to me, including the cross-examination by defense. So, 
he is answering questions about the confrontation over the texts and Amy being unhappy, etc. He says that they did talk about the future, about ending up together, to which I think, how does this fit with Jerry's statement that they didn't talk about relationships much? Jerry states that he was at the farm with Todd regularly and never had the impression that Todd suspected him or was angry at him. Jerry also told Amy about the confrontation and she was upset about it. And even though he had told her to slow down in July, they kept seeing each other up until her death. Asked whether he too was afraid for Todd finding out, he says, why wouldn't I be? Adding that if you're seeing a married woman, you'd naturally be afraid of her husband finding out. Jerry states that he was more interested in cooling things down than Amy was. They met at gravel roads, in cars, at hawk buildings, some hotels, about one hour in the afternoon. They were still communicating into the fall. Jerry says he was upfront with her, saying that if she wanted to leave, she'd have to do it by herself, not because of him. Asked about the last time he saw Amy, he averts his eyes briefly and says sometime before the surgery and he doesn't remember where. In other answers, he does close his eyes in concentration, but he doesn't roll them away as he does here. This is the only moment in the entire testimony that he averts his eyes. First, he says he doesn't remember what they did. But he told the police earlier, and so now he has to admit that they did have oral sex. They used to text 15 to 40 times a day, up to November 10th. On November 10th, 2018, Jerry was at home in Anamosa, which is 45 minutes from the Mullis farm. He and his son were hanging tanning beds in their hog barn. He says they were together all morning and no one else was at the farm. He says he didn't go to the farm, nor did, nor did he see her. They did communicate by email early in the morning at 7.40 a.m. She sent him an email saying, Morning, I'm good all day. Love you. He replied at 7.50 saying that he slept horribly. He slept too much in the day yesterday. At 8.04, Amy replies, Bummer, take... And she mentioned some sleep medicine. I guess you're not feeling okay. 8.06, Jerry responds, not really. 8.10, Amy responds, she's a pretty good nurse and would like to take care of him. At 8.41, Jerry responds, I'll get better. At 8.42, Amy says, well, you'd better. I'm not ready to part ways just yet, Fraser. Do you have anything to do today? At 9.18, Jerry says, I just need to go. 9.30, Amy responds, I see. Well, rest up today then. At 10.12, Amy says, Do you know what I'm doing today? Cleaning fucking light fixtures in the barn, what the fuck? And 10.14, Jerry responds, Nice. Now, to me this exchange is very meaningful. I mean, maybe I'm too much used to reading between the lines, but there is a lot going on here. We know at this point Jerry wanted to cool things off, but kept being drawn in by Amy who was not willing to wind things down just yet. I just wish that Todd's defense, those dry old cordials, had given this exchange to an expert psychologist, by which I mean a teenage girl or a college girl, because to me this reads like a convo that every one of us has had at some point. The girl or boy who is trying too hard to get the response she wants. Who knows the wife isn't there that we can't who is very subtly telling him she'd like to meet up. I mean, she wants to come nurse him. She asks him what he is doing that day. And the guy being willfully oblivious, who starts to feel annoyed with this conversation, who thinks she is being too clingy. And Amy, who tries again after a while, telling him her boring chore for the day, trying to get sympathy for how much she hates her life. And he responds with nice. He is giving her a discouraging response, not even listening. He is busy, of course, but still. Also, she says love you, and he doesn't say it back. And you have to wonder how unwell he is really feeling if he is doing heavy lifting straight after breakfast. 
What will be very important is that she conjures the image of her coming over and nursing him in his own bed, plus her explicitly saying she is not ready to part ways just yet. It's a feeble joke, of course, but he knows she means it. Please bear these things in mind, my friends. I knew I would have to look into Amy next. I knew that that was going to be even more intense. Of course I asked permission first, and yes, Spirit was very much in favor of me doing this, and assured me that I wouldn't be disturbing her. This was a long session, so I will try to summarize as best I can. I did this crying on July 30th. For some reason, I'm starting with praying Psalm 23, three times, which is new. First, images of Amy's happy childhood. What happened between Amy and Jerry? Were they really in love at any point? Did they really want to end up together at some point? She did, but I think Jerry was just saying that because he wanted to keep having sex with her. He was not planning on ever leaving with her. How did she really feel about Jerry? Escape. Were the Google searches Amy's? Who looked up these terrible things on Todd's iPad? It looks like it was Todd, but also Amy saw them and looked up some more from that search history, which is fucked up because Todd did this on purpose for her to find. He wanted her to discover his search history as another way of terrorizing her. So did the Google searches work? She did feel some guilt over this. So this is why I saw her before looking at the screen with a frown. Todd is not a very nice man. What else did he do? He did quote the Bible at her. Everyone is so preoccupied with the Bible in this case. Their relationship. A cold man. What did she want that he could not give her? A sense of adventure. I honestly think Todd didn't want Amy dead. He was terrorizing her because of his anger and his insecurities, but he never laid a finger on her. He was an abusive asshole, though. So, what more do I need to understand? Why was he so troubled by her having a sense of adventure? She did cheat. Is that why he told her to quit nursing? 2013. Which is interesting, because I was remembering at that point that this happened in 2017, but I later got confirmation that 2013 is correct. Now I'm seeing her buttocks. Her legs spread very wide. She is in white satin briefs, and I am seeing a schematic picture of a vulva as well. I am seeing her on the back. Goldie Horn? <laughs> At first I thought this was distracting imagery from a video I saw that day. I saw a reaction video to Overboard, which is a film with Goldie Horn and Kurt Russell, in which she is kept hostage basically by a man who makes her take care of his three children, as a punishment for her arrogance, and work in this completely unfamiliar household. I'm seeing these images as a way to describe how Amy was feeling, as someone who was just there to do the chores, while she has a whole other life that she is being made to forget about. Wow. I'm seeing her from behind with Goldie's hair, sitting on top of someone, in this luxurious satin white underwear. This confirms that her having affairs was her escape. It made her dream, or rather, it was a window to another life that she could have. She loved her children, of course, but there was so much more that she wanted from her life. It wasn't even about the sex, really. It was about being herself, being more than just a mum being in control more than anything else, because Goldie in that film is anything but in control. The whole premise of that movie is so shady. In fact, the man is gaslighting her the whole time. If you really think about it, it's not funny at all. He is keeping her there on the false pretenses, lying to her constantly, making her believe that she is someone else than who she really is. And that's the image that we're using here. Now I'm seeing the image of a horse that somehow looks like her. A pretty chestnut with thick blonde mane and tail and a white blaze. Amy did have thick, dark, blonde, luxurious hair. The horse is running, jumping out of the pasture. She so wanted to flee, 
I don't think she felt up to leaving the boys behind. She felt terribly guilty about that. She also felt like she was choking. Very tragic. What happened with Jerry? Am I correct that he was trying to push her away by November? She definitely didn't want it to end. I need to understand if others knew. Is that what Jerry feared? No, it wasn't even about other people knowing. I'm seeing the horse jumping and running, and I hope that this means at least she's free now. This is very emotional and I am crying at this point. I think this is why I was praying Psalm 23 before I started. You make me lie down in green pastures. I'm seeing more horses now, in a lush blooming field under a shady tree. Did she like riding? It's not in her obituary. I think this was the psalm she was constantly praying. I have never seen this as a psalm of escape, but for her it was about comfort, about another life. Such a strong presence of horse around her. I'm seeing a big black horse now, being very close and nosy at me. Is this her protector? Or is that you, soldier? Yes, it is. My protector is back. I'm staring at her picture and it distorts. She looks almost like a skull. What happened on the day of the murder? What did those emails really mean? Did she often do this, contact Jerry first thing in the morning? Sometimes. The reason she did this is because she knew his wife wasn't there that weekend. So she felt it was safe to mail him first thing. Also because she knew he hadn't been feeling well. Seeing him sitting on the edge of the bed, in his undies, from behind. He is wearing a checkered shirt, as I think he had on at the trial. He is getting an email from Amy. Why did he reply the way he did? What did he really think about Amy and her responses to him? I think he started this conversation, but then didn't like where it was going. Am I correct that he thought she was being too clingy, offering to come over and nurse him? Now I am seeing the Pope card from the Bologna Tarot. Even while typing this up, I keep seeing the Bologna Pope card. He is having thoughts of them having sex in his marital bed because of what she said about coming over to nurse him. I'm seeing the Pope card very close now. It's filling my entire view until I can hardly see it anymore. Such an important card in this story. He feels that this is something unholy having his mistress in his marital bed. This is why they always met in such degrading places, the gravel road, the car, hawk buildings, a motel room for an hour, like she was a whore, thinking of her while he is still in his wife's bed, while his wife isn't there, he feels that this is not okay, but yet he is aroused at the thought, because that is the holy matrimony place, while the places he has relegated to Amy are the car, the gravel road, a barn somewhere, or some ordinary motel room rented for an hour. Basically, he has been treating her with contempt, despite his words at the beginning of the affair. Again Amy as Goldie Horn, the princess looking and feeling so alien in that rickety farmhouse, on top of her man, feeling arousal. To her Jerry represented an escape, another life. Even though realistically she realized they probably weren't going to escape together. To her it wasn't a future thing, it was a present thing. She needed it in the now. He was all she had, because she couldn't leave because of the children. She wanted to leave but couldn't. She struggled with this, apart from her fear of Todd. A whole dichotomy between how she felt and how Jerry felt about their relationship. So, what happened on the day of the murder? Did he see Amy despite of what he said in court? It was the only moment when he averted his eyes in his whole testimony. The black horse is stamping his forefoot at me. Is he getting impatient? Can you show me what she saw when she was in the red barn? I'm seeing the kittens. One looks like a white snow leopard, which indicates danger, specifically danger from behind. The black horse is stamping again. He wants me to climb on his back. I'm climbing on the gate and holding his mane. And now follows a lot of speeding and running with the horses. I'm coming to a standstill under a tree, an oak tree, which is showing a face to me. There is light shining through the canopy. 
I'm seeing a lot of hanging, dripping green, psychedelic. What happened in that barn? Who was that behind her? Oh, the dripping trees are changing into a, a monastery or a church, like a courtyard or an entrance of a very elaborate church, half Gothic, half modern, with the green dripping from it. The whole monastic building is made of red brick, against this theme of the red barn being a church. Hearing again, sacrifice. There is Jerry, looking smug. What happened? What did he tell her? Why did he come? He is saying, you wanted to see me? She is standing there with that smile, asking how he's feeling. He is walking towards her, hands balling in his pockets, looking away, ill at ease. He asks, where's Todd? She tells him he's in the barn on the other end. The corn rake is hanging from the wall. He picks it up. Did he say anything? No, he just stands there, looking at her with an awful expression on his face, like he has suddenly turned into a hunter, full of anger and hate. It looks like his face got compressed somehow, looking like he's a hog himself, although I don't want to insult pigs. He looks somber and dull, like he is un- or inhuman, with a corn rake in his hand, blocking her from the door. She senses something has changed. She is afraid of him suddenly. She asks, what are you doing? As he comes towards her with the corn rake in his hands. Did she turn away? Did she run? What is he saying? What were his last words to her? Something like, this needs to stop. I think she was crouching, cowering before him, ducking, half turned away from him when he hit her, maybe about to run, standing with her arms over her head. She did have wounds on her arms. He slams the rake into her. It's like he uses the rake to catch her, to pull her towards him. I don't think he wanted to kill her with it. He is trying to pull her, but instead he hits her fully in the upper back. He was actually fantasizing about strangling her from behind, but he hits her far more seriously than he intended, so he drops the corn rake. I'm getting a beep in my ear now. It is still in her back, and she falls face down, stunned. That's when he does what I saw before keeping her down with his foot because she is still struggling, and then he hooks it into her again, standing on her with his foot like she is some animal. He doesn't see her as human at all at that point. Is that correct? The black horse is stamping again. That look of contempt on his face. It's very disconcerting to see. Now seeing something really disturbing, a creature made up of rocks, like a building coming alive, like a drawing. Is that the spirit that was involved? Seeing Todd now, as if he is sitting on the couch, but with the same expression he had in court, I don't think he was interested in killing her at all. All he wanted was to keep her close, and he thought the only way to do that was to terrorize her and control her. To literally put the fear of God into her. But that's all he did. Whereas Jerry did want things to change, he wanted the unholiness to stop. He wholly blamed Amy for that. Even the fantasies he was having in his own bed, he blamed it all on Amy. I feel that in that barn he was not himself. Not that he wasn't responsible, but he did have this dark energy with him, which looks very disturbing. This energy was very satisfied with what he did, and it is likely that it will want more of this at some point. I feel emotional with this. I don't mean to say that Jerry isn't responsible, allegedly, or that he is possessed, but there is this being making him do it. He could say no, but this being is feeding his feeling of self-righteousness. It could be that this isn't an actual demon or spirit, but some dark part of himself within him. His self-righteousness has become completely distorted, seeing the murder of an innocent woman as something holy something necessary. Can you show me if Amy is okay now? Yeah, I see the Amy horse with gold and blue wings, so beautiful, in a pasture where she is happy, free and at peace, with kindred spirits. She has rainbow wings, she is coming into her own. I am so sorry, Amy, that this was the only way to escape for you. But it does seem that God answered your prayer and just took you elsewhere. 
through the valley of death into the safe green pasture. I hate both of them so much, Jerry and Todd. I no longer feel sorry for Todd. He doesn't deserve to be in prison, though. This is injustice. So, my friends, this is what I got on the life and death of Amy Lynn Fuller Mullis. All I can do now is offer a prayer for her peace and the peace and healing of her children and loved ones in the living world. I am going to give her a candle and pray her favorite psalm and I will burn the pictures I used to release this energy for myself. I pray that telling this story and bearing witness is somehow helping. Rest well, dear Amy. May your life always be more important than the way you died. Thank you so much for coming, my friends. Did you enjoy this episode? Please let me know your thoughts. All feedback is appreciated. I would love for you to bring me your true crime stories that you'd like me to look into. You can email me at truecrimeoracles at gmail.com. You can also DM me on Instagram at truecrimeoracles. Please follow me there or on my Facebook page to see the card spreads used. And you are always welcome to book a private reading with me via isabeldunwich.nl slash shop or use the link in the show notes. Don't forget to subscribe, share and follow. You can leave ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts. It really helps the channel. See you next time. Meanwhile, be well my friends. Enjoy your day. 